0: the batman universe comic podcast hey this is scott snyder hi this is denny o'neill my name is neil adam
1: this is paul Dini.
0: hi my name is Dan deal
1: this is kevin conroy
0: hey this is francis maniple
1: hi this is jim lee and you're listening to the batman universe comic co- podcast Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 214. I am your host, Dustin,
2: and today I have with me... This is Ed with a new Tervis.
0: And this is Alice.
1: And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of December 18th through December 31st. We have a total of four books to cover, just a tad little bit of news to discuss specifically related to solicitations, and then we'll dive straight into our reviews We have some listener Q and A's and, of course, a ton of bat books from around the Batman universe. So let's start off with the news. The only bit of news that we have is a combination of uh, announcements for solicitations for March 2017. The very first uh, part that I want to talk about, which I, I find so, so strange, is that it was announced that in March, which happens to be a five Wednesday month, we're going to see... DC Hanna-Barbera specials uh, that we'll be releasing at the end of the month. For whatever for whatever reason, they're called annuals. I don't know why. Um, but amongst this these group, we have uh, the Suicide Squad going, crossing over with the cartoon supergroup, the Banana Splits.
2: Hmm. Wow. Now,
1: I know that we have our, our demographic for our audience skews. 30 to 50, that's our thats our general demographic. So I'm sure that there's some of you who know who the banana splits are. But those of you who don't know who the banana splits are, um, I the, the, the nice. best thing I guess I could describe it is picture, and this is even a worse reference because not everybody's going to know this, but uh, in the 90s, there was a group called the Teletubbies. I'd say the banana splits were the Teletubbies of the 1970s. Is that fair?
2: That's pretty mean. Mean. I mean, I thought it was fair. But teletubbies aren't cool. I mean, no, it's fair, but they're both terrible. I think. Why are they called annuals? I don't know why they're
1: annuals. But the other ones that they're going to have is Adam Strange crossing over with Future Quest, which is currently an ongoing series that DC is doing with the Hanna Barbera stuff. Booster Gold with the Flintstones, and Green Lantern with Space Ghost the honestly the banana splits one is probably the weirdest one because all of the other characters space Ghost Flintstones and future quest all of those characters are appearing in series that are currently being published by DC banana splits is just so out of left field it's <laughs> insane um but yeah so that's uh that's I guess no annuals in in uh well, no DC Certainly. specific annuals in March, huh. but uh, the, you'll get Hanna Barbera specials that they're calling annuals. So I'm guessing they're going to make it a yearly occurrence. I'm, I'm guessing.
2: Well, I got a question for you. I know we don't cover Suicide Squad, so it's no skin off our back. But if it was Batman with uh, whatever the Flintstones, would we would we cover that? Well,
0: I mean, we've I don't not see been why. covering Batman Tmnt. We just mention it. Yeah, we
2: mentioned it.
1: This is the Batman Annual, technically.
0: Uh,
1: well, t- okay, I guess technically, if you are looking at it from the annual perspective, still no. Um, but okay, no, I mean, but I mean, we would cover it as far as like the Bat Signal with the other, the other, right. uh, or Greater Gotham. I mean, with the other books that we that we cover, we'd at least give it a mention there, maybe talk about it. Um,
2: I can, do an in depth breakdown of yeah, it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think we would do an in depth breakdown like like you know with this, mostly because at this point. I think we're pretty set with what we've got um because of the weekly books and things like that but if it was I, I we would cover it Suicide Squad the the Suicide Squad Banana Splits will still have reviewed on the website <laughs> I I I I know that all of our comic re, comic reviewers are itching to type in and and e- email me saying that's the, the book they definitely want to cover in March but uh nope. we will like be definitely that one yeah, yeah. I know uh we're definitely going to be reviewing it to some degree. I clearly will have to be somebody who is in that older demographic who can speak to at least knowing about banana splits so that they have some sort of knowledge. But,
2: and I assume this isn't a crossover know. with an ice cream Sunday. This is something to Yeah,
1: yeah, it's definitely definitely not ice cream sundays. So fair enough. All right. So then other solicitations for March, uh, there's a couple of creative teams that are switching or not, not, not switching, but some fill in artists that are coming on uh, specifically detective comics and Batman. Uh, they're going to be doing some stuff. Kenneth Roccaford is coming on to red hood and uh Batgirl is going to be getting an annual, um, so there are some annuals. I, I don't know why I said that earlier, but there are some annuals that are coming. Batgirl's the one that's getting its annual in March. Um, as far as story elements, uh, over in Batman, we still are going to be we're going to be in part three and four of I Am Bane, which is the next story arc that's coming up. Uh, the Batgirl annual is supposed to be also a guest starring Supergirl. Um, cool. And then we have uh, Batwoman number one, which technically debuts the month before, but the very first issue is going to be coming out in Bat, Bat- in March, uh, not including the rebirth one shot that will be releasing in February. Um, and if you look, Julia Pennyworth is present on the cover. She's in a tuxedo, very reminiscent of her father. So thought that was kind of interesting and worth noting. Uh, Detective, Comics, yeah, Detective Comics will be in the middle of their new next story arc, League of Shadows, which is uh, part three and four. Um, and then we have Harley Quinn, obviously, um, over in Nightwing. Uh, Bloodhaven is going to be torn apart. Nightwing's going to have to head to Paris to face off his great-great grandfather, the Talon, known as William Cobb. So mm. lots of other stuff happening, obviously, but uh, that's the gist of what we've got.
2: Nothing super surprising. I mean, isn't this kind of always it? Isn't the big solicitations like when we're getting new story arcs announced in Detective and Batman? Yeah, it's and pretty
1: much then and whenever we know that there's new comics coming out, like new comic series. Team
2: Changes. Yep, yep, yeah.
1: yep. Which they seem to do, all do at the exact same time. Like February was a big month because they had Just League of America um, and that was like the big thing for that month, all those Just League of America one-shots. Just League of America, number one, I believe, is releasing. I believe. I believe it. See, I can't remember as far as the solicits go, but I want to say that the first issue is actually happening in March because February's got four weeks worth of one shots. Um, But Batman's. We talked about this before. I know we did. But Batman is part of the Just League of America. So I'm more interested to see. If he's still gonna be part of the Justice League, if he's running Justice League of America. So but then again, DC's motto is there's never too much Batman. So
2: can never have too much Bat.
0: No, you can. You can. Um (laughs) I I'm actually really excited for the Batgirl annual. Uh it's been a little touch and go with annuals, but I mean, whenever you have Supergirl and Batgirl teaming up, it's been it's been really great. And they don't Throw them together unnecessarily, like it hasn't happened a lot. That is basically a yawn. So I'm excited and and my hopes are high for a good a good story.
1: All right, so that is actually all of our news now. Before we move into our comic reviews, I'm going to start doing this this Mm -hmm. month because, uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, our Patreon account is live and we do have some some supporters. Yeah, Yeah. I'm I'm bumping it up. I'm not going to put all right. end of the podcast anymore because I feel like we actually should do this earlier on the cast. So the first month uh, of Patreon uh, supporters has come in. We hit uh, $38 of our $150 goal. So, I mean, we're not there yet, but hey, every little bit helps and it's much appreciated. So I just want to, so according to our rewards here, those of you who donated $10, you get a thank you on one of our flagship podcasts, this or the Batman Universe podcast, which is currently on hiatus. So obviously it's going to be over here on the Comic Cast. happening here. Yes. So we want to thank Gerald Green, who donated $10 to TBU in the month of December. And then also we want to thank Lisa Slack who is also who contributed $25 for the month. And uh, she actually is not only going to be receiving a thank you from us right here, but she's also going to receive receiving the raw uncut and edited versions of the podcast days before you all get to hear the edited version. So if you are interested in supporting us on Patreon, by all means click on the link on the website; it'll take you straight there and you can support. We also had other Patreons as well at the $5 and $1. We also thank you as well. Um, and uh, we look forward to more patrons coming on and supporting TBU. So thank you very much. All right, so with that, we're going to jump into our comic book reviews, and like I said, we have four books, so the first one we're going to start off with is Dark Knight 3.
0: DK3,
2: number six, uh, written by Miller and Azzarello, with Kubert on art. Uh, for those who don't remember, we were ending up this last issue where Batman uh, gets shot from core as he's flying away. So this one opens up right after Batman gets shot, and Superman is flying him away from the city. We see Gotham is burning, um, and that Batgirl um, is still trying to get Batman on comms. And then we see uh, Commissioner Yindel show up, uh, holds out Batman's helmet, and lets Carrie know that he may in fact be dead. Uh, we then see a couple of quick cutscenes with Ray Palmer. And who is later revealed to be um, Hal Jordan, who's kind of meandering around the desert without a hand. Um, Quar wants to send Laura and Ball, who has really been fairly badly disfigured, uh, to kidnap. I mean, I mean, it sees like a <laughs> hunchback another day oh. uh, here. And he wants to send them to kidnap uh, Jonathan, who's the son of Superman, who he had with uh, oh. Diana, and his own mascara. Uh, Carrie and Ian will talk about: Is the cost worth it? uh, with all the destruction and loss of life. And Carrie tells him that she needs to build another bat signal because they're going to be needing it soon. And then Carrie jumps off the roof via Batman style, except in very bright colors. Um, Superman puts Bruce into, there's no confirmation of this, but it certainly looks like a Lazarus pit to me. Uh, and then he comes out, um, healed up, uh, and younger. He's got like dark, uh, dark hair again. It looks like he's been de-aged. Uh, Laura tries to go and kidnap the boy, uh, but of course her mother is waiting. Uh, Laura tells her that she's not alone as the rest of the Kandorians show up, and Diana says she's not alone either as the um, Amazonian army comes around the corner, and those two look like they're getting prepared to meet in battle.
0: Uh, then we have the backup, which is Dark Knight Universe Presents Strange Adventures number one, written by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello, pencils by Frank Miller, inks by Klaus Johnson, and colors by Alex Sinclair. And, well, basically, it's just how Jordan, without a hand, wandering through the desert, um, and Hawkman and hawk woman, I guess, are flying above – I'm sorry –
2: I think so. I think it's Hawk Woman. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, because sometimes it's Hawk Girl. And in this universe, they're brother and sister rather than resurrected lovers. And so he's basically looking for his hand. But we don't know this until later. Uh, He runs into some bad dudes, finds his hand, which is able to fly around by itself. And you can see the bone and the marrow and everything. Hawk Man and Hawk Woman come to help him out. He becomes Green Lantern again. And for whatever reason, there's a green lantern bat mite flying around with him as well, but instead of the hand reattaching itself, uh, it's like how Jordan as green lantern, the hand with the actual ring on it, and then a little bat mite uh and the end says "I'm back, so perhaps the weirdest one yet. Oh.
2: and that's a high bar because they've oh, been man. really weird backups like these I mean, like, yeah. I'm glad the word strange is in them. <laughs> I have no idea what was happening there. Yeah. Um, I know we don't talk about the backup, but that is, it's really weird, isn't it? It is. So weird stuff. <laughs> um, Dustin I has no comments.
0: The-
1: well, I try to yeah, – like, I, I tend to ignore the backups most of the time because I don't understand what their point is. I just feel like they're there to fluff the book and put more page count so they can make a higher price point for the book. But, yeah, I mean – this this doesn't this this one specifically doesn't take away from my thoughts on all the other ones that it's just there for fluff. But
2: I think that this is what happens when you have Frank Miller yeah, and Brian Azarello isn't yeah. sitting there going, No, no, you can't do that. You can't do that, you know? Like
1: This is like straight Frank Miller
2: craziness. That's what it is. Yeah, like you can see him like totally like had been up on a bender all night writing these. Oh yeah you know. I mean, just super weird. So I will no longer talk about the Put stories in the back of the book i got two pretty quick questions on this issue um one is we see this lazarus pit here uh with batman being thrown into it um what do you think this will effect will be and and do you think we are going to see a de-aged bruce Mm. which would kind of reset the whole dark Knight timeline right if he's all of a sudden is 30 years old again
1: that's a really good point. I mean, obviously um, I, I really did think that he was probably going to be de-aged um, and it does make sense because they have said, you know, we know that they have other ideas for the Dark Knight universe and to keep Batman around and have him be the correct age or be a not a senior citizen age. That is, um, I think it, it, it works It makes sense and they probably should do something like that, um, especially if they're going to keep doing Dark Knight's universe stories because Batman can't live forever and even though he's died kind of twice in these books um, it doesn't make any sense for them to have a dark knight universe if there isn't the dark knight present so um, do I think it, it it makes sense sure i mean we've seen Roz go into the pit multiple times and come back deaged um it just depends on which direction they want to take i mean there's there's other incarnations where they come back and they just are healed they're not dead anymore right but there are plenty of situations where they come back de-aged as well. So I think they'll go the de-aged route. Um, it actually makes more sense for the future of whatever they want to do with this universe.
0: How many times has Bruce actually been in a Lazarus pit? Is this the first time?
2: Yeah. first time I can remember. Yeah.
0: Okay. I just wondered. Well, it seems so against what he – I mean, I feel like it's, in the comics, does, yeah, and he get dropped right. in – or not the comics, in the – um. Animated series, he got dropped in there, I think.
2: That seems to me.
0: Didn't sense. he? With like know. Talia, like did yeah. something like Batman Beyond? I felt like something happened. Maybe I'm wrong. Know. But, anyways, but in the comic continuity, I just wondered if this is the first time that's happened.
1: You know, I can't remember. Like in comic continuity, yes. Um, in what you're referring to, the anime universe, it would have had to have been in Batman Beyond, but I can't recall. But I want to say, like, just thinking about what you're saying and knowing that you said Batman and Beyond, I feel like that is something that happened. She was de-aging herself in the Lazarus pit mm-hmm. and she wanted to in make sure that he de-aged yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that that makes sense, but I, I can't recall exactly. But yes, to that degree, I think that, well, I know that in the comics this is the first time, but it does seem to go against you know him and his right. his thoughts. Like,
2: if he's going to die, he's going to die. He was mad we brought Jason back from the... From, when Talia brought yeah. Jason back from the dead using a Lazarus pit, mm. he was... That's true, but, super, but let's think about yeah. it
1: like this. Just, what is it, two years ago, we had him trying to dip Damien's body in the Lazarus
2: pit? Yeah, Yeah, but he was pretty unhinged Yeah,
0: and grief can take yeah. you places, but I don't think he ever wanted to, to go into that. That's true. Uh, but yeah, yeah, my first thought was, yeah, that it was sort of... Uh, well, number one, if this is the first time it's ever happened in comics history, I think it's a big thing. Um, and number two, I feel like it does it's very not Bruce like uh, because he does get ex- upset when other people do it uh, to people that he loves. Um, but I think it makes sense in terms of, you know, if we want him to survive, and I think Superman did and and of course, you know, Carrie Kelly's broken down as well, then this is the the only thing that potentially could, revive him uh i guess the option was never you know let him die in peace knowing that he did the world a service because we're only on issue number seven because <laughs> that could be like you know a happy ending like you did it bruce and then he like, like rest in peace but i guess we can't do that with batman um but because i also noted that black hair i'm like oh boy so now yeah, you have this re- you have this revivified bruce wayne and i feel like Um, Well, we have five issues left to go, right? It's 12 issues. It's a maxi series. Is that correct?
2: I think it went nine now. Oh, it's nine. Okay.
0: Okay. So we just have two issues left. So I guess knowing that maybe nothing heinous can happen. Um, So obviously they've got to finish their mission. I don't know if something will happen and like the life force will be sucked out and he'll go back to old man Wayne. But, you know... Potentially, you get this new lease on life to a certain extent. He's probably like in his 50s now rather than in his 80s. Um, he could push forward and it could be an opportunity to broaden this universe, though I don't really know how well this has been received. Like in my personal opinion, even though we review this comic, I don't know if I would want to continue reading this book like for a duration. You know, like, obviously, if it comes out and we're reviewing it, then I'll do it with you. But this hasn't seemed worthwhile to me enough to, like, perpetuate it now and have Bruce Wayne be 50 and and going on again. But
1: that's just me. And just to clarify, because I looked this up while you were talking, you were absolutely right. It was season three, episode five. (sighs) Beyond, Yeah. Aired in two thousand. Is, 2000,
0: is that the episode that you find out that Talia is actually Ray Gould in Talia's yep. body? Oh, yes, that's it is. so disturbing.
1: <laughs> and he does he does go in the pit and yep. he is basically like a hulking version of himself. He de- gets de-aged. He's, yep. he actually kind of looks like the Dark Knight Returns version without the gray hair, where he's like huge, like muscular beast, but you know, not as slim as he used to be, but like more just more muscular and uh batman beast mode and he's working away (laughs) yeah and then that and then like Uh, so said she finds out that razzle ghoul is actually
2: in talia's body which is which is uh, that was made for some uncomfortable romance
0: that's a bad romance for there
2: yeah i agree Um, for whatever
1: uh reason they chalk it up to after a week his body will go back to its normal age which that I mean the Lazarus Pit in that regard is not very great if you gotta go <laughs> once a week. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's not how that works. Um I don't know, like I don't know if I like the Lazarus pit use here. I don't know if I like the idea of de aging Bruce. I, I get that to, to keep the stories going we might have to, but I don't know. I kinda like the idea, especially how we saw in the first issue of this. Remember when Carrie had to take on the bat suit? I kinda like the idea of Batman uh, Bruce, I guess. Going into the background and Carrie maybe becoming um, like the female Batman in the future, and him like mm. doing more of the of the, of the brain work. I thought mm-hmm, that's where we were mm-hmm. going. Um, I was, yeah. that was, I, I, and that was something that excited to read an ongoing series with the right writer and doing a Carrie Kelly ongoing with yeah, folks in her. I think
0: that'd that's be cool. a different story. But with him DH, you think he's just going to sit behind a computer and let her do it?
2: No, I think it's, that's what I kind of am upset about. I think with him DH, yeah. he'll be he'll be important again. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of when I saw it, I'm like, oh, well, I guess all those hopes and dreams are gone. You know? Um So yeah, I, I just didn't... I, I liked the idea of passing the torch on to Carrie, and I think if you de-age him, that's not going to happen. Um, but I think you're probably right. I mean, to sell a book, you need Batman in it. So you're, you're probably not wrong, but I had had some different hopes for uh, hopefully where this was going. Yeah. And then the other... Quick thing I've got about this one is do we believe that Laura, Superman's daughter, has legitimately gone over to the dark side or is something else going on here?
1: Well, obviously, they want us to believe that she's gone over to the dark side. Um, and it seems like they're setting up, you know, obviously a Kryptonian Amazon war type situation. And she's gonna have to choose the side she'll have to face because she's 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 got parents from each side. So I guess yeah, I I feel like that's the direction they're supposed they're they're trying to lead us. But I don't feel like she actually is. I just feel like that's the way they're trying to set it up as because it makes for a better story. But if anything, if she is bad, she'll end up not being bad very quickly because she'll realize mm. that her you know or maybe just like the emotion from her mother's side will kind of like overtake her and help her understand that protecting the earth is, is better than siding with these Kryptonians that don't care about earth and it's inhabitants.
0: Um, Well, she's been dancing around (laughs) this for a little while. She's been kind of playing on that side and um, it feels like she's really put a, she's like leaped, uh, you know, made a great leap over there since she's gone to kidnap her Half brother, I guess it would be. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else you could do. I mean, you could kind of think, you know, fast forwarding our Batman, like maybe there's a plan, just like Selena, there's it's all planned out in advance. But when you kidnap a baby, this that's like a completely different thing because it's not like an adult that you can play play along with and be like, it's okay, you're just going to be the bait. So I'm concerned that she is over there, and I wonder if she's going to be collateral damage in this whole thing, and then it'll be very tragic and everything. But the baby. Will be saved. So I feel like she is evil and she's gonna pay the price for it. Maybe at the end there'll be some sort of like, I'm so sorry, and then she'll die and her mother will forgive her, but who knows.
2: Yeah. Um I, I think I can see I can see this going a couple different ways, which is I guess kind of rare. Normally we kind of have a good idea where we think it's going, but I'm not I'm not sure. I I she's obviously kind of gone. Her and Ball in a couple circumstances where she is, you know, pulling back on the reins a little bit. So yeah, I'm not sure. I think that uh, I think that it might turn out to be, um, you know, a, a bridge that she can't cross or whatever. Um, but I could also see Stella's. That actually might be a good way to do it is have her, you know, the the, the old, I got the last minute, but it's too late. And she ends up dead. I could I could see that too. So no, I'm just not. I wasn't totally clear on her motivation. It seems that. For her to start kidnapping her own brother and stuff seems a pretty fast way to get there with these kind of nut job Candorans. So,
1: all right. So, uh, so for this issue, I'm going to give this issue a total of three and a half.
2: Um, I'm gonna go three.
0: <sighs> I feel like nothing happened. I mean, I don't know. It felt like a fluff piece. He just travels the entire way to bring him to a Lazarus pit. Carrie Kelly cries. Then there's some black and white pages. What even happens? This is like a two point five for me. Ooh. Well, seriously, you, do you want to defend that something actually happens in well, there besides I mean, the, we could have had a we could have put the Lazarus Pit at the end of the last one and saved us an issue? That's true. I uh, we an well, interaction
2: with Laura and her mom and the you know her there we we got to see Ray Palmer <laughs> back for one. Pay. I'm stretching in here. Uh, <laughs> you know, Uh huh. And we got. I mean, a great, how? I mean, the backup was worth the price of admission alone, in my opinion. So.
1: Yeah, I think, Stella, your argument just dropped my score to three.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, D- Dustin, I did think of you in reading this because I remember the last time, whenever that was three mm-hmm. episodes ago, we reviewed this book. You're like, when are we even going to see Ray Palmer? What's he doing? And then when I saw him in this, I'm like, oh, Ed'll be happy.
2: And, but then he's like, he's like, all he says is like, I'm going to use science. And he's gone again. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't, I don't
1: know. It, it reminds me of when Donovan used to be like, science. <laughs>
0: He still does that. Yeah,
1: I'm not surprised. Um, it was four episodes ago. that That's the last time. It was two months ago that we we reviewed one of those, the end of October. Um, all right, so uh, over on the website, uh, Matthew gave it three and a half. So that's going to give DK3 a total of three out of five batteries. Let's move into our next book, Batman.
0: Batman number 13, I Am Suicide Squad. Oops. I am suicide part five writer Tom King pencils and inks Mikhail Janine and colors June Chung the bat cave Amanda Waller interrupts Alfred's cleaning in order to get some files which she needs for the upcoming Justice League versus Suicide Squad on shelves now. Santa Prisca, uh, about three teams and three stories. So here we go. So in one part, Bane is trying to convince Batman to somewhat join him and the Psycho will bring him comfort just like he brings Bane comfort. Bronze Tiger at another place within the complex demands Venom for whatever reason, then breaks out of his restraints, takes down his captors and finds Wesker at another part of the complex punch and julie resurrect themselves we find out later they had sort of um uh like dramatic kind of i'm tra- like makeup you know what they do and like a makeup anyways whatever so basically there's a layer of skin over their throats because you see her pull it off at the end so they were protected so it's all a ruse so punch and julie resurrect themselves talk some random domestic affairs cover themselves with bubble gum Question mark and go through a furnace and out of the prison. So the bubblegum gum pr- protects them. Then we're back with Bane and Catwoman keeps saying bat, bat, and he's like not yet, not yet. And then Batman finally says yes and she attacks Bane, who is still naked by the way. Then Wesker and Bronze Tiger come out of the shadows and Psychopirate is trying to influence Wesker. But it doesn't work because it all is revealed why Wesker was here. Scarface appears in hand only. So I guess technically he's naked too. And he says no one controls Wesker but him. So he knocks Psycho Pirate out. And then Bronze Tiger knocks Wesker out. All of them take their exit on a bubblegum boat. I'm not joking here. Batman weaves Bane, and Bane, without Psycho Pirate, is on the floor, still naked, demanding Venom. On the boat, Batman explains where everyone's going to be going and how their situations will change for the better, like Punch and Julie can visit each other once a month. He then shares a kiss with Catwoman. Uh, they talk about something being painful, who knows. But they both know that this, whatever it is, is impossible. And I guess we'll find out more about that. So next up, the bat and the cat. So I think now that everything has been wrapped up and we've been talking about this story and, oh, would she, wouldn't she, Catwoman, and and all of this. Did you like slash approve of how everything came together in the end?
1: Actually, yes. Um, I think I was probably more critical of this book because the – if anything, it lasted longer. The, the, the con of trying to let us believe that everything was happening the way it was lasted longer than I probably would have wished just because it felt like it was going so long thinking that this horrible situation between all of these members was coming to close for absolutely no reason other than just to upset me. Um, but um, I think that for the most part, I liked that the team was working together to achieve a certain set of goals. Everybody did have their own reasoning. Uh, I mean, Arnold Wesker was there exactly what we thought because he couldn't be controlled by psycho pirate. Um, the fact that Catwoman was in on this long con, I guess the only thing that doesn't make any sense about it was why did Batman specifically say no, in the vent when he was locked up or when he was up in the vent yeah. when Calum turned on him because nobody knew he was up in the vent and could hear him anyway. So that, that part didn't make any sense other than just to swerve us as the readership yeah. of the book to believe that it was actually true. But other than that, there was no real reason for that. Um, but I mean, like overall, a lot of the stuff that I had a problem with going into this issue, it was resolved or at least you know, close to being resolved, as we know that the next two issues are going to focus on Catwoman and Batman specifically. So a lot of that stuff might be ha- hashed out too. So, you know, I will give it to Tom King. You know, I I think I did a pretty, I I I, I berated the the title enough last issue <laughs> to realize that he had a plan. And you know, as 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 good as it is, I think the biggest problem that I had overall with it all being wrapped up is it, it because it all gets magically wrapped up in one little episode or one little issue that is with a, a, you know, a nice neat bow. The problem is that we spent so many issues just like digging the hole that only one issue to come out of the hole it seems like it doesn't, it, it, that's the only problem I have is, you know, I wish there was a little bit more of, and and this could be true because we're going to get Catwoman coming up in the next two issues. But I just feel like it's a weird situation where we we spent so much time making everyone believe that this horrible thing was happening with all these members on the team. And Mm. it just all gets magically wrapped up and reverted back to being good right before, you know, right at the last issue. And That's the only problem I have with it. So,
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with the resolution, except the fact that the resolution is extremely boring. Nothing happened. I mean, Catwoman was a good a good person. Punch and Julie weren't dead. I mean, like nothing. Ha- I mean, it seemed very anticlimactic. You know, I mean, I would have been surprised if it played out any way other than what it did. I mean, we even have that last scene with Bane when he's like, "Give me the Venom." <laughs> like now, you know, like yeah. Now he's going to be back on the Venom. Like to me, it's yeah. like nothing. Ha- oh well, so Bane's back on Venom. Surprise. So that that's element um, of the story has gone. And and Catwoman, of course, didn't betray him. And these other criminal, these other sea listers they were our C-listers. Them dying was a part; would have been a part of a, of a storyline. Now they're not even dead. No, I mean it's. I don't know. I mean, I'm fine with how it ended because it's fine, but it's certainly not surprising or, to be honest with you, very interesting.
0: I liked that, you know, <laughs> I'm at least glad that Catwoman wasn't evil. I think that, you know, last episode we were talking about this and I'm like, well, gee, what's going to happen? It seems like she might be turning bad. We don't like it, but if that's the way it's going to go. So I was glad that it was sort of all it came together, and it was revealed that this was all part of the plan. Um, I like that everyone was included in the plan, and they all had their their particular parts to play. Uh, Punch and Julia, I guess, were just the escape the escape boat. Uh, Bronze Tiger is the one question mark I have because really, it was an accident that he found Wesker, um, unless Catwoman knew Bronze Tiger's route, and that's why she left him. Uh, but he was shocked when he found him, so that clearly wasn't his part. And I don't understand why he shouted, Venom! Uh, yeah. I guess there's some sort of question about his past with Venom, but that was hinted at before, earlier in the story arc. Um, but I like how, I mean, it, it's almost like a Mission Impossible movie, right? Where all of these things are happening, and you're like, oh my gosh! And then Tom Cruise takes off the mask, and you're like, oh, it's him! It was him all along! So it was kind of like that where all the pieces came together. So I did like it, but I think, again, I guess we came to a book with some filler, right? Because the two previous issues were filler. Not much happened except for the letter um, as the overarching like narration. Uh, so I, I was satisfied with how it ended, um, and it seems like it was, to a certain extent, a happy ending because – Um, they helped Batman out. And so they're going to get some time off or they get something special uh, and they got psycho pirates. So hopefully Claire will um, be cured or, you know, possibly for a little bit, but you know, and then there's a tease for the next story. So I think they did a good job there. Um, I guess another question could be, are we using Bane too much, but maybe I'll say that for next one. But so my last question actually is, is that interaction between Batman and Catwoman? as he's explaining how the different life situations are going to change for each of the people that helped him. And then she asks, and what about me Bat?" And then, you know, he says cat. And then she said, what promises did you make to me? And then there's a kiss, right? And then below that, like, it's smaller lettering. So clearly only they can hear each other. She says the pain. And then he says, I know, but we can't. And so I wonder if, and this could just be me like, being dense, I don't know. But what is this pain she's talking about? Is it something that has been referenced before in the letter? Um, is she sick? Who knows? Do you have any thoughts as to what this pain is? Is it the pain of being separated? Is it something deeper than that? I just wondered if you guys thought, or is it just Ooh. insignificant? And, and I'm just,
1: you know. I think it almost is a reference to their letters. Mm, okay. Um, because you know, Batman was saying that. You know, they're he that they're similar in that right. regard because of that. And I feel like that's just the, that's what the referencing is. Mm-hmm. But it does seem odd and out of place because they're not reading each other the letters in the book. Right. They're just letters that they previously wrote. The immediate response between the two of them seems like it's not the right timing. That is, but I think that the biggest thing is that I, I also, like I said before, I feel like a lot of this stuff is going to get hashed out in the next two issues. Since so it's gonna focus so specifically on them, but I think like my immediate thought is it's referencing the letters.
2: Yeah, that seems to be what would seem to make sense, but I don't it does seem fairly specific when she says, you know, the pain. Um and, and the letters are are emotional, but um I don't know what it is, but I think that it's going to mean something. And I mean, that's, a t- that's like a terrible cop out answer, but I honestly don't know. But I think it is very, it seems to be a specific mention of something.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, uh, the letters, um, there, are, of course, you know, some general mental anguish going on for sure, but this seems to be a, a specific reference. Uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe, like you said, she's sick or there's something else going on. It does seem we're going to really work on these two for the next couple mm-hmm. issues. So mm-hmm. this won't be a, uh, you know, a DC rebirth where we got to wait two years for the payoff. Yeah, um, I think there's something specific. I just, I'm not a hundred percent sure what it is.
0: I wonder, I mean, what would you do if uh, she had some sort of terminal illness? Um, and that's really, because you kind of have to think about what motivations pushed Selena to commit, like this huge atrocity of this like over 200 people. Right. And yes, you can argue, of course she was getting back at what they did, the orphanage, but like someone who does that though, and goes to the length that she went to seems to me like someone who has a death wish or is like, well, you know, I'm going to die anyway. So I might as well take vengeance.
1: (laughs) I mean, I I definitely could see the terminally ill side of it. That would be a very, very interesting twist.
2: This is the problem
0: though when you make her kill
2: two hundred and whatever, seventy-five people. Right? Like it's too big.
0: Yeah.
2: For someone. Yeah. I mean it does, it's just There's too much. Like, behind it. This is I have and if and if it's gonna be addressed in, in something like Stella's talking about, I can live with it. But I think that's the problem I have with this whole story. Like I get that she wanted vengeance, but to kill two hundred like if they had done it where it had been a terrorist cell and she'd kill five people. Like, vengeance, anger, I get it. But when you start having, when she's killing over, I mean, you're starting to get on Joker-level killings. No, 270 yeah. people? Like, that's not, you lost your temper. That is a calculated plan to kill that many people. And and there is no way that, even if they were all involved in the same terror cell, that you could say they all were directly responsible. Like, it's too big of a crime for an anti-hero to commit. Does that make sense? Like this is what's been known at me about this story. Like Selena has been for a long time, an anti-hero, not pure villain to have her kill this many people. Like I get it. Like I, Batman and her might be still making googly eyes at each other. <laughs> She's going to date someone who cold bloodedly killed 270 people.
1: Yeah. And I definitely agree. I mean, that's the biggest problem with what, you know, this in the first place. But I feel like there's still something more to this, these murderers that so. we don't know about yet. And that's my only hope. I mean, like, I really hope that there is something more to it. And I'm not just like – just it's not just a hope for myself because I don't want this to be like the way it is. I'm just – I really don't want it to be just as black and white as what we're being
2: presented here because that would be – It can't be. Yeah. Because I don't I don't see – how can you ever tell a couple things? One, how are you going to ever have a, a, a Selena Kyle story where she's not in hiding for the rest of the time? Like she'd be on Joker-level fugitive watch, right? And how are you ever gonna have any type of Bruce and Selena story? It's just would it to me it would never hold. So sorry, that's my rant about that.
0: We'll see. I mean that would be that's a universe changing event, you know. Well, I, I don't okay. wanna oversell Selena, but I feel like she's a big character, so to have her be killed, I think, in a natural way, I feel like maybe we haven't done that too much would be pretty interesting. And then you kind of ask your question, who would fill that void? Um now I'm not gonna know well, if they well, pull that trigger be, until next, but y- yeah.
1: Yeah, let's be clear. Yeah. I don't want her to die <laughs> either. Well,
0: no. Want her to yeah. die. I mean, like
1: if ultimately it'd be great if it was like, oh, well, I did this because I was terminally ill, and then Bruce Wayne goes, Well, I
2: have doctors who could fix you. Hey, Pitt, comma, Lazarus. But I mean
0: <laughs> Oh yeah. no, we just got hey, over discussing that. I,
2: I tell you what I would like is if it comes out that this 275 people that were killed were actually killed by like another terrorist group and Selena just took responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. Because
1: because it was linked, or it was like somebody that she took responsibility because it was somebody that she was in the school with.
2: Yeah. Right. Or something like, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Something like that. Like, I know that almost sounds desperate, but I want to get her off the hook for this because for me, I mean, her dying would definitely be a game changing, but for me, her committing this atrocity is an absolute character changing Mm -hmm. thing. You know, you can't be the lovable cat burglar who has an (laughs) on again, off again romance with Batman while you're dropping 275 dead bodies off.
1: All right. So, Batman, I'm going to give a total of three and a half out of five.
2: I'm going to give a total of two out of five.
0: Oh, wow. I'm going to give a three out of, three and a half out of five as well.
1: And over on the website, Matthew gave it four. So it's going to give Batman a total of three and a half out of five. Bat rings. Let's move into our next book, All-Star Batman.
2: All-Star Batman number five. Writer Scott Snyder, artist John Romita Jr. Uh, we pick back up. Mob is outside attacking Batman and Duke and Two Face. Uh, so Batman breaks the steamship loose from its moorings, and they jump back on board. Ship just kind of has no engines; wasn't really supposed to, you know, was supposed to be permanently docked. So at this point, the ship is kind of just meandering with the current towards a waterfall, and the uh, our guys, our crew, looks for something to float on. Uh, KG Beast is on board. entire waves are kind of chasing themselves through the boat. They find a giant plastic floatable coin, which is kind of cute, uh, to make their escape on. They all survive the uh, fall over the waterfall with some bat magic. And they find Dean and Dumb looking for them. They knock them out and steal their van. Uh, we then cut to Wayne Manor, which we didn't get to see last issue. But we see uh, Gordon breaking down the clock. Um, he buys some time and pulls Alfred out in the hallway and tells him to contact, Way, contact Wayne and somehow turn this all around, get City Hall to call him off, because if not, it's all going to end here tonight. See that Batman, Two-Face, and Duke have arrived at their destination, and the mile clock is down to zero. Uh, Batman, they enter a home, which is on a bluff, and Batman uses some guesswork, uh, slash using the number two extremely liberally and a lot, to find where the cure is hidden. Uh, Batman re- realizes the curve will cure. will leave poor 2 faced, depending who is really stronger and there is a lot of like chemo science kind of thrown in here. Uh, we see Alfred call Bruce and tell him that the Joker who called him and ordered him to shoot down the plane or he would expose Batman's identity. Uh, Joker has had some dirt on Alfred all this time and yeah. it, uh, we find out that Alfred had put a hit out on the Joker um, to have him killed. He immediately pulled it back. Um so but, but somehow him putting this money out there and he'd use money from when they were constructing part of the cave. Um, by him putting this money out there, uh, someone hacked it back to him, and, and that's how they got the um the plans to the Batcave, and it was all because Alfred put this hit on the Joker. But he did change his mind and pulled it back almost right after he did it. Um Batman who's had the very bad day and loses his temper a bit, um, kind of beats Two-Face up, they roll down a hill, and he injects Two-Face with the cure. He tells Harvey to kill the killer clouds over Gotham, which he does. Um, We then get some chemistry exposition here, where we find out that Harold has taken and created this thing that will essentially allow whatever side of Harvey that is fighting the hardest. If Harvey is fighting harder, he'll be in control. And if Two-Face is fighting uh, fighting harder, he'll be in control. Harvey goes unconscious. Uh, KG Beast is there. He attacks him from behind. Uh, the mob also shows up, wanting a piece of that big dollar reward to bringing in the Bat. Uh, there's some hijinks on a cliff, and Batman and Duke make their escape. We then see the police march downstairs through the grandfather clock, where they find nothing but a very, very well-appointed man cave. Uh, nothing to see here. No bad cave, apparently. Uh, Batman within cut to you know, it's like two two weeks, two days, two hours later, and uh, we see Batman puts on a KGB beast mask and disguise, decides to go scare all the crime lords, penguin and great white shark and black mask. And that's the end of the story. I have three questions here because I had three that I felt like we pretty much had to talk about. I know I'm breaking the rules. I'm a rule breaker. Question number one. Does Gordon know who Batman is from what we see here?
0: Yes. Yes.
2: I agree. Um, do you think that this has any implications for the? Th- thank you. Well, maybe these questions won't take as long as I thought they would. Uh, yeah. Um, i think it's yes. Yeah, so this is, has to have some pretty big implications, right?
1: I mean, yes. I mean, I think the, the, the thing is, it has implications if you look at this as Gordon, you know, we don't know how long he's possibly known because it's never really been referenced all that much. But you would think we, we've talked about, I know we've talked about this before. And, you know, the idea of does, you know, Gordon being this great detective that he is, why would he not know who Bruce Wayne is? And how come he couldn't figure out that his daughter was Batgirl so forth and so on? Um, Well, the easy answer for at least the Scott Snyder run is that Snyder doesn't really involve a lot of the other Bat family members. So by Gordon knowing who Bruce Wayne is or knowing who Batman is, um, it doesn't affect the, the idea of, well, why doesn't he know who Batgirl is? Wouldn't he be against his own daughter running around being a vigilante? Um, None of that matters because this is Snyder's take on the character and Snyder doesn't concentrate on a lot of the other supporting members of the Bat family. Um, That being said, what kind of ramifications does this have? I mean, I don't really think it's going to have a whole lot, honestly, because I feel like Snyder has this idea of how things are. And now that we have other writers who are taking a bigger stance in, in the bad books, I like with Tom King and, and James Tynion. I think that Snyder can take a little bit more liberty with what he wants to do, um, and it's up to the other writers on whether or not they want to actually address and acknowledge the stuff that he does now, because it's not just about whatever he's doing, like it has, like it basically was during the entire New Fifty Two. Um, so that's that's my simple take on it. Uh, I mean, my more. Whole, my, my more in-depth view of it would be just Snyder's messing with things again as usual.
0: I It's funny, he does kind of r- write in a vacuum almost. Like, nothing really impacts necessarily and, and nothing goes out. Though I guess we did, the argument could be made of uh, the connection between this and Batman because I remember we talked about that in the last episode. Um, but I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I also think that well, I like that he knows, to be honest, but I don't see yeah, yeah. and I don't think in any continuity I would see him admitting it. I think it would always be this thing like, well, I know you know and and you know that I know that you know kind of thing. But they like pretend that, you know, well, he's just going to still call him Batman. I don't necessarily think if he would ever call him Bruce, at least maybe I shouldn't say in all other continuities because – I think in the Teen Titans Go universe, they have. Have you seen those little shorts where, like, they're on? <laughs> they're on the couch. Watch. They just had a Christmas one. There, it was him and uh, Jim, and they're watching. It was a, like a weird fourth wall breaking thing, but Teen Titans Go. And do, do you? Any of you? Hello. <laughs>
2: No, I don't okay. think I've seen that. Well,
0: anyway, so there are cute little things where, like, they hang out, and but he still calls him Batman. But I feel like maybe in those that he would call him Bruce. Yes, that one, They were, yes, like one, yeah.
1: masks off each other, yeah. Yeah. It's like, who's Batman? It's Commissioner cool. Gordon. Wait, <laughs> he's wearing a mask, too. Cool. It's yeah. Bruce Witt.
2: Wh- wait. Wait, it's <laughs> actually,
1: it's still Batman.
2: The other kind of famous one is Dark Knight. Think about oh, it. In oh. the first Dark Knight, not three yeah. or two, remember there's that scene right at the beginning where him and Bruce are, are at a cocktail party? And they are talking about how back in the day he used to add, have to try to act like he didn't know. Remember? Uh, I think that's the most famous thing.
0: Yeah. So so I think in those, like, fun ones, lighter ones, I think that they would call him Bruce and Jim. But I, I just feel like they would just pretend as if they don't really know. That's just me, though. That's kind of how I see this playing out. Uh, Ramification-wise, I mean, he could be a great ally, right? I mean, he was already trying to help Alfred in this issue. So, you know, you can only trust someone so far and – Gordon went through this really horrible period, right? When he was, which led to him being taken out of commissioner and then Sarah Essen was put in. And then that, that mistrust fell because he knew that someone not being like the normal guy was operating as Batman. And it was just like this sort of broken trust. And I feel like it happened again in no man's land too, when he's like, where did you go? Um, so there's only a certain level of trust I think he can reach with someone in a mask. But now that he knows him fully, um, I, I think he'll be able to look deeper into motivations and, and, and what Bruce is doing inside and outside of the costume. Uh, and, again, I think he'll be a greater ally now that he knows all of this stuff. Because, like I said, as we see with Alfred, like he's trying to give him time. And he's like, go do what you need to do right now. Of course, Alfred can't do anything. Uh, so I like this development. I kind of wish it would it would pop over In the rest of continuity, because for goodness sakes, I still believe that Jim Gordon should know his daughter's Batgirl with all the times they've interacted. When he was Batman and he was right next to her, and then in the car recently in Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, he's right next to her. You would know the child that you created. So (laughs) that's just me. But I feel like he should should know, and, and there's no reason why you wouldn't trust this guy who's been on your side practically from the very beginning.
2: Yeah, I like it too. Um, I'm sure it'll have some, something will happen with this down the road, Because at least in Snyder's book. I, I do hope it's kind of brought into the other universe, the other main part of the universe. I mean, think about it. The The Joker, know, we had the same conversation when we found out the Joker knew who Bruce Wayne was. And it's having an impact in this very issue. We're seeing the Joker, knowing Bruce's identity, have an impact in the very issue where we're now asking the question does Jim know, you know, Bruce's identity, and how will that have an impact? Um, so actually, I, I liked it quite a bit. I, I think that it only makes sense. Jim is supposed to be a great detective on his own, and I just have to co-sign on Stella's being a father. I don't care thank what you. mask my daughter was wearing. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, "Who are you?" You know, like I mean, daughter. I mean, come on, like it's stupid. Like I've always thought this was the I willful. The same hair. Um, she gets a haircut, you have a haircut.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, It just doesn't. There's no
2: way you can have your daughter standing in front of you and be like, I don't know. I don't know who that is. It doesn't fly. So I hope this stays. I hope this isn't a one-time thing. I hope that maybe we have some building on this in All-Star or in another one of the books. We'll be totally fine with that. So the next thing we have to talk about here is we get the un- unveiling of Alfred's latest character moment as Snyder continues to torture slash destroy him. So we see here that Alfred put a hit out on the Joker. And then, of course, we see Him, you know, bring down the bat plane, and we find out that the Joker's behind the entire thing. I don't have a super specific question here, but what do you think about this whole thing as a whole? Alfred putting hit in the Joker, the Joker being involved in the background in the story. I mean, if it's uh, Scott Snyder's Alfred, and Alfred,
1: and Alfred's been subjected to so many. Different things that somehow re- resort back to uh, the Joker. In some ways, it makes sense as why to the Joker has been so mean to Alfred. But on a more serious manner, I mean, um,
2: it does make sense actually. It, <laughs> it does. does. It's not a it bad does. theory.
1: It does. But uh, let's just let hope it's not.
2: I'm gonna torture you <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> I think it's out of character for Alfred. I mean, to be honest, I mean, if anything, I think that Alfred is, is probably even more against killing than, than maybe Bruce is. And, and I say that in a way, and I'm, I'm thinking about this as I'm saying this, I'm thinking the, the problem is I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know, Bruce would not kill, you know, his thing is not kill. But I don't, I think that there are certain points where Bruce can be pushed to the point where he could kill. Um, And I think that Alfred to the
2: line, yeah,
1: exactly. And I think that Alfred is is and has always been kind of that like baseline to say, like, come on, let's let's step back for a second here. You know, let's uh, think about what we're doing here. I think that that's how Alfred is. Um, So to think that Alfred would put a hit out on somebody, regardless of who it is, whether it be Joker, who is a homicidal maniac, or whether it be you know just somebody like Joe chill or something like that. I don't see Alfred being that type of person. Um, Now, the thing is, if you look at it from, it also, it also goes back to, you know, the idea that Snyder takes his liberties when he comes to certain things. And it feels like, you know, this is something that he thinks Alfred would do, but doesn't fall in the care in line with the character that we know as Alfred, um, and he's done this, obviously, with other characters that I've referenced a gazillion times in the past, um, including Commissioner Gordon, this this episode. But I'm just thinking to myself, like, maybe this is how this is just how Snyder views these characters. It's not necessarily the way, you know, the vast majority of readers view them or fans of specific characters view him. It's just that's how he views the characters. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that for himself but when you're telling a story and you're expecting the readership and diehard fans like ourselves to really grasp on and say, yes, this, this makes a lot of sense. You kind of have to think about what other people are going to think and not just what you're thinking. And that's, I think that's the problem is that you know, when it comes to something like this, I just don't see Alfred doing anything like this ever. So like it's completely out of character for me. I don't know. and, And even if it, Even if he did do it, I don't think he would keep it from Batman. I think he would eventually tell him, yeah.
0: I agree with Dustin in the main part that I don't like this, and I don't think it would happen. Now, the only positive thing about this is that it says um, in the beginning of your career. So it can be like, well, it was at the beginning. So at least it wasn't yesterday he decided to take a hit on the Joker. Uh, But I just feel like it's out of character no matter what. And he even says, you know, I am a hypocrite, right? But I feel like Alfred, of all people, would keep to his standards, um, you know, just like everything that Dustin has been saying. And I'm really bothered by the word balloon Bro, really, we're you know it's Joker. Number one, it's the Joker, and I'm like, why do we always have to come back to this guy? But the word balloon in that panel, he says it was when you were starting out, and I'm just like, so you're you had zero faith that Bruce Wayne was like able to carry on this at all. Th- that's basically what I'm reading it as. Like you were frightened for him, and if it wasn't the Joker, it would have been somebody else. Like is that just basically? It's kind of like when you get in trouble and you're really rich, but you're like fine with it because your parents will bail you out with the money because this is like saying, well, Bruce Wayne, this is just like a flight of fancy for him. If you'll get in trouble, I'll just put a hit out on any of the bad guys that, uh, that'll do it. It just feels really wrong to me. So I don't like it. I think it changes his character, but isn't there a conspiracy theory that he doesn't like, uh, that Scott Snyder doesn't like, isn't it a TBU conspiracy theory that Snyder doesn't like Alfred? Isn't that what we've been saying?
2: I don't think it's a a theory.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Here's the proof right here.
2: (laughs) I don't think it's a theory. I mean.
0: Okay. So there you go. I don't like it. And, uh, you know, it's partially explained. So I'm sure Snyder was thinking about how he could best explain it. But I just think it's bad.
2: I do like this part of it. I do like the fact that decisions that snyder makes in his own universe and he is in a pocket we all know that for the most part the decisions he makes have consequences which means when he joker knows who bruce wayne was continue to have consequences if that had become something that had happened in you know just like a throwaway oh joker knows who batman is it should have lasting consequences a problem all the time the joker knows who bruce wayne is um and i think at least here we're dealing with it i don't again i'm not in love with the fact that it's alfred who's like yeah, I put a hit out in the Joker and then I let him blackmail me into shooting your plane down. Sorry, boss. Like that I don't like the fact that it's Alfred yet again who is getting to play the Judas card. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not a big fan that it's him, but I do like the fact that Scott Snyder made a decision and now he's dealing with the consequences of that later on in his own narrative. I think that's cool. Um I get it, but I don't lo- I don't love the fact that it's always got to be Alfred. <laughs> like he's always got to be the guy that's like yeah sorry about you know so that does get tiresome after a while i thought it was kind of cool that i didn't see it coming like we talked about you know alfred in the plane and that and none of us were like maybe the joker's behind it um but if you look at how many villains got packed into the story, and there was a bunch of, of from cameos to to kg beast and, and black mask had larger roles there's a lot of villains covered in the story and i think that having the joker even if he's just seen in, in the background of a panel, but having his influence set in this story is. Um... So I guess the last thing here is we have a new, I suppose the word is status quo for two face. Uh, and that being whatever side of him is wanting to be in control. The most is going to be in control of the new status quo for two face. Is it really new? Um... <laughs> well, that's the question. I guess that's the question is, or do we have a change at all?
1: I mean, I you know, I don't is really...
2: this is this back to way it used to be?
1: I feel like it's just getting back to the way it used to be um, more of the normal care, nor- normal version of 2 Face, where he's, you know, the two sides are equal and they're contradicting himself. And I think that's, that's what it's becoming. I mean, that he, he makes the reference to the coin saying the coin is going to be more important now than it was before. And I think that's because he is getting back to the way the character used to be. Um, now, before this story from Scott Snyder, where was the character the last time we saw them, saw him, he was in the pages of what Batman and Robin and he, we thought he shot himself. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that the character was one, you know, one sided there necessarily more than here, but like, it just feels like Snyder decided to write the character. This is the thing. It seems as if the character was written as one side was stronger than the other. The way Snyder's writing it. But that wasn't portrayed prior to the story taking place. I guess Snyder has never touched Two-Face prior to this. So at the end of the story, Two-Face gets back to where everyone would assume he would be anyway. And we have one major character that Snyder didn't really mess with.
0: Yeah, and I also wonder how much differences. Is- it, I get—is this permanent or not permanent? So, like, if if the evil side dis, well if the two-faced side is stronger, is he going to be stronger forever, or is he just going to be stronger for a time and then then will revert back I think to it's for
2: Harvey, whichever part of the personality is currently fighting the hardest at that moment?
0: Oh, okay, okay, I gotcha. I kind of liked the idea of having yeah. one permanent personality. Um, I guess that was too easy, but I thought like, oh boy, what a like literal. Coin, or I guess a figurative coin flip of who is you know going to win out, um, but yeah, it just seems like it's the same old, same old, really, because this is what it's always been like, and and to a certain you you almost want to, I mean, Two Face is like a rabid dog, and you know. Let's let's say he's old yeller and as his owner, eh, Bruce Wayne, his, you know, his BFF growing up Batman should have put him out of his mer- misery in some way. I almost feel like this is cruel to continue to have him like fighting in this manner like that. That's a pretty cruel thing to do. But I guess that's not your question. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's any different than what we've been doing. Did I just shock you with my old yeller comparison? He did. You kind of got <laughs> me
2: there. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess, I guess at the end of the day, I feels like the version we started with was different than when we ended with was the same. I don't know. I kind of liked the version we had in the middle, where it was one part of the personality for longer periods of time, and there wasn't such reliance on like the coin and stuff. You know, remember when that the scene in the back of the whatever it was, the ambulance or the truck, where the guy's like, "Oh, I flipped the coin." No, I just shoot him. It's like, "That's not. It's not really how I do things." I kind of like that version where we had Harvey for longer periods and Two-Face for longer periods. So yeah, I kind of wish we'd go um, but I wonder if too, it's, some of this is, is guys like Snyder here. so much like you can't change him. We can't change him. We can't change him. So I think that we ended up with Two-Face pretty much the way we looked at him before the story. And that's all I got.
1: All right. So All Star Batman. I'm going to give a total of four
2: out of five, four and a half out of five, four
0: out of
1: five. And over on the website, Corbin gave it four. So that's going to give all-star Batman a total of four out of five. All right, so that's going to move us into our last book Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 947, written by James Tynion, art by Alvaro Martinez. Uh, The issue starts off with Batman and Batwoman's team facing spoiler after their takedown of the victim syndicate stunned at her attack through the comms last issue. She takes down Luke, Kate, Basil, and Cass very quickly using countermeasures she developed or discovered with Tim. However, Batman remains and asks how she plans to beat him. She scoffs at the notion and challenges him to hurt her after what happened to Tim. The first victim cackles thinking Steph is on her side but Steph punches them viciously in the face rejecting their murderous tactics. She declares that Spoiler is on Gotham's side and that though the victim syndicate is wrong to murder people to stop Batman, the vigilante games and costumes do more damage to Gotham than good. Batman pleads with the syndicate and Spoiler to let them help them, let him help them. Uh, that he is sorry for not helping them when they were hurt. Steph offers an ultimatum, shut down the Batman and all of his allies, or she will expose the entire network to the public. She paints a picture of a world where Cass lives a normal life. Mm -hmm. Clayface is cured. Kate is in Mm -hmm. charge of the police Academy and Tim is in college. Batman says the world doesn't work like that. And Steph pleads with him to give it a try. Luke, out of his armor that Steph sabotaged, shares his story, a childhood of wealth and luxury, but he sought out Batwing when he heard of another black kid being killed by police unjustly. He embraces Batman's response to the broken system, one life at a time. Clayface agrees, wanting to redeem his monstrous past. Cass Cass begs begs with Steph, but she insists it's not enough. Kate destroys Steph's phone, stopping her threat to expose the team to the world, and Steph flees, vowing to stand in Batman's way. Three days later, Basil visits Mudface Gloria Griffin in Arkham. He promises to visit con- consistently, trying to make up for the destruction of her life. Bruce and Kate view the first victim whom they could not identify. Batman admits that he was pulling back after Tim's death, but commits to continuing Tim's vision of expanding their capabilities beyond reaction. Kate has come to a new perspective on Luke, and they also agreed to add Jean-Paul Valley Azrael to the team. Bruce also urges Kate to talk to her father, not for any information, but to help heal her own spirit. As they leave the asylum, Kate asks Bruce if Steph will come back. He says she's already acted to sabotage the Bat-Signal, but that her threat to expose Batman was a bluff. Though he cannot agree with her vision of the world, Bruce says he should have let her and the team grieve Tim's death and that he believes they will all be working together again soon. Meanwhile, Tim manages to escape his cell in Mr. Oz's prison, desperately trying to get a signal out to Batman, but is distracted by something the audience cannot see. He is instantly teleported back to his cell when, while Mr. That. Oz watches and promises he will soon understand. The end. All right. So, Detective Comics, there's a ton of stuff that happened in this issue. Oh, yeah. um, lots of stuff. Oh, yeah. um, the first thing I want to talk about is this the, this this idea that Steph has. And whether you feel like it fits in line with the character that we've been presented in Tyan's run and even going back to the Batman Eternal runs when she was brought back in the first Batman Eternal. Um, do you feel like Steph would actually have this idea in her mind that <laughs> everything could be perfect and Everyone could be leading wonderful lives if it if the Bat Family didn't exist.
2: I think that it fits in with her character as the character we have known, mm-hmm. who is going through a tremendous amount of grief from the loss of Tim. This would fit in pretty Tim. It's death. Stephanie's always kind of been the more positive of the group, mm-hmm. especially way back in the day when she was Batgirl. You know, um, but I think you're dealing with a character here that we're supposed to be presented with the idea that her and Tim were you know, in love and he's dead. And I think that that's where she is here, but it's, it's not like this isn't, she loves what she's saying. And I mean, you, you see when she leaves, she takes off her mask and she's, she's crying over it. She's not happy about this. I think if you look at it through the lens of the grief that she's experiencing, I think then, yes, I can make this work mentally.
0: And also I feel like she was partially influenced by the first victim, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if she necessarily came to this, revelation all on her own. We knew that she was in a dark place, but I think that conversation also probably messed with her a little bit because she doesn't seem like the person who would do this. I mean, she full on goes like Batman Babel on Tower of Babel. Yeah. Right now, with like all of the ways that she's able to take them down, like this is a, like Uber Stephanie. We have never seen her like this. I feel so. Um, I, I think it's it's it works for this story um, where she is now mentally, but I think she needed a little push, and first victim gave her that.
1: And I think a lot of it has to do with uh, you know the the grief of Tim's death and the fact you that know? Tim was contemplating leaving the team to go to college. A lot. I think that has a lot to do with it. Even though that really wasn't even part of this story arc. I mean, that was part of the last story arc. But I think that, in combination with the first victim, kind of pushing her over the edge to his letter, this and a lot of it, I think, stems from the grief of Tim's supposed death or you know the, what she believes is death. I think a lot of it stems from that because you know it's it's always that that idea like oh well everything was meant to be so much better, but the problem is that. Something horrible happened right when, like, for example, you see you it's happened in movies before where, you know, the, the soldier is going to do something great, but then he's called off to war and he gets killed. You know, it's, it's, it's the same principle of what happened with Tim, but the people you leave behind, of course, they, they're going to blame whatever the situation is, whether it be a war, whether it be. Being involved with batmans and that's what's that's what's going on with stuff um i think for her character right now it falls in line with at least the way it's being portrayed um this idea that everything could be a perfect world um i think part of the reason it was a bluff when she what for what she did and said she was going to do to batman is because she realizes especially after Luke fox tells the story of the you know why he became batwing she understands that everything's not just black and white and getting rid of the bad family. Isn't going to just make everything better. And that's why, despite the fact that her phone gets taken out, she clearly, I mean, we even see she has a new phone by the end of the issues. It's not yeah. as if she couldn't expose Batman and the Bat family if she really wanted to. But I think she realizes that ultimately it just comes down to, it's not as black and white as what the first victim syndicate or the victim syndicate is
2: actually portraying it as. So, and I wonder too if her phone was covered under her like Verizon contract. Would would that be covered under like your traditional warranty on a phone, or if you had like extended <sighs> coverage on it? What tased? Because she gets one very, she gets one very very fast. It's
0: probably just a pay and as you go this, phone.
2: Yeah, it could be that too. No, no, it's obviously the same number because Cass wow, is like,
0: her. oh, that's true.
2: Huh? Yeah, Cass is texting her, so she's obviously ported the number onto a new phone. All I'm saying is, I lost my Word phone with something like a week.
1: All right. So the next thing I want to talk about is at the very end, you know, we're kind of leading up to all of the changes that are coming. Comment that Batman makes to Batwoman about going to see her father. I almost feel like that's clearly going to be leading into her own individual series. Um, I feel like Jacob Kane is probably going to play a, a role in her series. Not, not like he's going to suddenly get released and he's going to go back to being her Alfred, like, like he was before in the Batwoman series, but I feel as if she, he is going to be a character, even if he's just locked up, um, that she goes to and tries to tries to understand him a little bit better. Um, also, because Batwoman is getting her own series, we also know that the next story arc in Detective Comics is going to be a Batwoman, a short Batwoman story arc leading up to um, the Batwoman Rebirth one shot and then the Batwoman series. But there was a couple other comments. We have Azrael being added to the team, which given the solicitations, we already knew this was going to happen. We, we all talked about the fact that it was probably going to happen. Um, but the, the real big thing, because of all the changes that are happening, spoilers basically off the team, at least for the time being, Batman says that he thinks they're all going to be working together sometime in the future. Um, Azrael's added to the team. What do you think about Spoiler being basically off the team and the addition of Azrael? We also have Luke Fox added to the team, this this story arc. Um, what do you look... When and you look maybe at,
0: Harper Rowe.
1: Yep. I it. didn't forget to say that. You
0: I did. I
1: say it on you purpose. You
0: were being spiteful to her.
1: No, definitely was not. <laughs> but... What do you like going into the now the third story arc the team has changed yet again from what it was in the first story arc where now we are from the first story arc the biggest changes is this, Tim's not around spoilers not on the team we have the addition of Luke Fox and now Azrael what do you when going into the third story arc outside of the Batwoman story arc going into the next story arc that involves the entire team how do you look at the team and think to yourself is this team a better team than we originally started with, or is it not as good?
2: It's not as interesting. I mean, they're fine. Like, I don't hate, like I'm not like pitchfork angry, but let's face it. Red Robin and spoiler are simply more interesting characters from the Batman universe than Luke Fox. And, and you know, the other new one we get, they're just not that interesting. I mean, I know I'm going to use the word that Dustin likes so much history. (gasps) The history. It's all about Uh the history. Exactly. Well done. Good impression, by the way. um And think about it. That's those characters have history. I mean, we wanted to see how their relationship was going to th- between the two of them and and the rest of the team. So the new guys are just. I mean, azrael a larger history, but I don't really like this version of them that much. um mean, we seem to have two different Azreels. We have the one from Batman Eternal, Batman and Robin Eternal. And then this one, which I know they're the same guy, but they don't they seem wrote a little differently. But yeah, I mean if it was up to me, I know Tim's quote unquote dead and, and Stephanie's gone, but originally we had Cass Kane, which is a huge part of, of Batman history, Batwoman, one of my, my favorite characters in the universe, and Batman. And then Clayface. That was a cool team. This one is the B team.
0: I agree with you there. I guess more than the individual members, um, more than having a problem with them, I'm having a problem with the constant changing. Every story, like when you put it that way, that seemed excessive. You know, every arc, yeah. there's a there's a switch up and everything. And I feel like you can't, we can't even call these people a team because they haven't even gotten to know them, each other better. Or e- they haven't gotten to know each other well enough to work as like a team in a well-oiled machine, because once you switch people, if you have everyone the same and then you took one person out and put it in, that's a completely different engine that you have to then figure out how are we going to work together, like different dynamics. So I just want them to keep the same. And at least you have core members that are, I mean, I guess Batwoman being the same. Um, oh, Asriel, it should be interesting. He just doesn't seem like a team kind of guy to me um and then you know luke fox i'm still sort of getting to know his new character i guess i just never thought of him <laughs> as this like cocky kind of guy um and then we'll see about harper but you know even batman had his his doubts that she would join but you know whatever they do i just want to be consistent for like longer than you know what what, what has it been like six six issues per maybe maybe 2 months i i don't know 4 I, who knows but it's a short it's a short while i just ah, think yeah. about batman and the outsiders like he had um Metamorpho and Katana and um, Halo and – I'm trying to think of who else was on. The, you know, for a while, like a good long haul. The Teen Titans, the new Teen Titans in the 80s consistently were the same members. And there's there, – I think a lot is said about that because they get to know each other. They're not without their own issues, but they build upon each other and they understand how they work. But when you switch them up, it just doesn't work. So it's not about the individual members. I think we'll see how they – work out if we like them or not. It's just the changing that I'm sort of um, vexed at.
1: Yeah, it's about three months. That's... that's oh, okay. It's so six. It's like six. six issues yeah. for each story arc, and that's, uh-huh. then it changes again. Um, the, only, the only difference is going to be this little Batwoman interlude with the two issues, but Batman's doing the same thing over, you know, over in Batman. It's doing the same thing with the two-issue interlude for Catwoman, so it's almost like they're planning this out perfectly for some reason um i'm no I'm, i obviously there's a reason but um you know as far as the team goes i i do i do agree with ed's statement about this does feel like the b team um when you look at the characters of luke fox who has clearly not been around for very long and despite the fact that he gets introduced in this specific issue he doesn't actually like there's no real character development now i did remember reading something on twitter recently T- tynan had said that uh, Luke Fox's family, uh, specifically Tam Fox, um, and some of his other siblings, are going to pop up and be, you know, appear in the series more so than um, than just, I guess, not appearing at all. Because other than that short little introduction of Luke Fox's character in the first place, you know, when he first is recruited by Batman and Batwoman. Um, we ha- we don't really know anything about Luke Fox. If you just were a new reader who came on to Rebirth, you don't know anything about Luke Fox. And honestly, I would have to argue that it wouldn't be even worth going back and reading some of the previous mm-hmm. Luke Fox stuff because some of it, most of it, was not very good.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i just, Is I'm Tam Fox?
0: What wasn't? Did she date? Um, Tim Drake. Tim Drake. Yep. Oh, okay. I thought in his Red Robin series, around the time that Vicky Vale was sniffing around, is that right? Wasn't she yes, looking for yeah, or somebody? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah,
1: it was right after. Uh, it was during. It was. It was during that same timeline of everybody trying to go after Tim's V card.
0: Oh no, not again!
1: Oh uh, yeah, it was that same go. timeline.
0: Don't but say, anyway, "Oh yeah," there you go.
1: That's why why can't a horrible we put a response. Stop to this? That's a horrible response. <laughs> so, as far as you know, I like. I don't mind the addition of Azrael, and it's funny that. Ed, you said that uh, you know he seems like a different written character than what, how he appeared. Doesn't know. It's hilarious that you you say that because one, Tynan had written the, the Azrael character in Eternal. That was part of his. Or no, 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 that's not right. It was the Lance, uh, uh, Colin Kelly, and and uh, Jackson Lansing that wrote the Azrael. But yep. I wasn't. We you know, we talked when we t- reviewed Batman Batman and Robin Eternal. We talked about how the character was a little out of place. Um obviously it was rooted it was yeah it was it was rooted way more in the Saint Dumas which would be more towards like the early Azrael stuff you know with his own his own solo series than the Azrael that came to be like the just ally of Batman that operated inside Gotham City um towards the end of his 100 solo you know his 100 issue solo series um but yeah he was a raging nutter um but I distinctly <sighs> remember Um, thinking to myself, if Tiny got a hold of this character, he would probably change the character and try to get back to the original version of the character, not the nutty version, but the version of the character that more people would know Azrael from, not just his Night Falls, you know, uh, references and things like that, but more of like his solo series that ran for a decent run. I mean, 100 issues is nothing to scoff at.
2: Nothing to sneeze at, no doubt, yeah.
1: Yeah, so... Um, but what's interesting is when you look at Tynan's Tynan's versions of like Cassandra and Spoiler and Tim Drake to a degree, even though he's not really appearing as much. And now we'll be going into Azrael. When you look at the characterizations that he does, it's very very reminiscent of the Chuck Dixon runs on a lot of these same characters. Um, that's not to say that there's not differences, but I feel like a lot of these characters are closest. To Dixon's characterizations than than most, and seeing this Azrael character at least at, at least just in the last issue where he had a presence, um, it feels like it's still in line with with that version of the character rather than the nut version that we saw in Batman Robin Eternal. Um, So that's my take on it. So I'm wondering if, even though I'm not necessarily sitting here thinking Luke Fox and, and John Paul Valley, I'm still looking forward to these characters. What I am interested in is looking forward to the characterizations that Tynan does and how he develops these characters, because even though the story arcs, are taking place over three months and we are focusing on very specific characters. Like for example, the first story arc focused very heavily on Tim Drake and Kate Kane. This story arc focused very heavily on spoiler. You know, the, the biggest thing is we know that Batwoman's also going to be focused on in this next short interlude story arc. And then we know that Cassandra's the next focus in the next story arc. So I'm hoping that even though it is a very, very slow build, we are getting to the point of developing each one of these characters in some degree. So I'm hoping that we can get to the point where Sean Paul Valley and Luke Fox actually get some character development. And that would Mm. be, that would be great because we could actually see versions of the characters that we actually might enjoy because Tyan's characterization in general, we've enjoyed for a lot of these other characters, even if they are different than, you know, pre-New 52 versions of the characters.
0: Well, for that to happen, they have to stay on for the long haul because the people that you have mentioned have been the ones – they've never changed. But if you want John Paul Valley, like that's like six months maybe if you have a three-month story with um, Kate and then three-month for –
1: Well, no, um, the Kate story is only one month. Oh, okay. It's only the two issues in January. It probably jumps
0: off into – yeah
1: and then yeah exactly and then i think uh february if it goes the same route with six issues it would be february march and april would be the story that focuses well it's called league of assassins which features uh that's the focus is on Cass in that story arc so then the next one would be may june july would be the next story arc which would bring us to right about a year now most writers stay on for a year. Most artists normally are, stay on for about six months or six issues um, in general. But who knows what's going to happen with the art? But specifically, because we're talking about the writing here, I feel like Tynan is going to be on for the long haul. Obviously, Snyder stayed on the book forever. I mean, he's still on a Bat Book to begin with, but he's been on the Bat Book nonstop since 2010 with detective comics. So, I mean, there's definitely writers that can stay around for a while. It's just a matter of whether or not the book sells. Well, right now detective comics is, is selling way more than it was during the new 52. So, and and on top of that, it's, it's, you know, it's a biweekly twice a month book. So we have no reason for the book to have a writer change anytime in the near future, which actually seems to be the case with a lot of these books. Um, you know, we've talked about Nightwing and Batgirl having some issues that we'd like to see resolved, but for the most part, most of these books have writers that seem to be on it for a very
2: long haul.
0: That's good, unless you don't like the writer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah,
2: the writer—that's not a great. But I, I do think you've got to start doing something with what you guys talked about the team members, though. Like yeah. they're going to—I mean, think about it. We focused on Tim and we killed him, and then we focused on Steph and she's gone. Does that mean Cass is leaving at the end of the next arc?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that's the other thing you get into. And when you, when you look at it from even if it is one story arc focusing on it and the story arc lasts for potentially three months, maybe two, even if that happens and you're looking at it from just that perspective, think about it like this. You know, if the next story arc would feature, would focus on, let's say, after Cass, it focuses on, let's say, Luke Fox because he's the next edition I guess outside of focusing on Batman or because there's no real reason to focus on Batman. I mean, Batman's a character in the book, but he has his own title that he can be focused on. Clayface is the only other character. And I don't think he really needs to have an entire story arc dedicated to him. Um, but like, if you follow it, Luke Fox would be then the next three months and then it would be as after that. And then whoever gets added or subtracted from the team going forward could, but I mean that, that would bring us to well into well past September. So, I mean, like, the pro- that's the problem. There's, like, a very slow build with some of these new characters. With Luke Fox, we got very, very little in this story arc with Luke Fox, and he's introduced, and it could potentially be another four or five months before we get really any development if they go the same route.
2: But, the, I mean, I said it earlier, like, if you were just reading Detective, say you started back with Rebirth, why would you give any care of the world about Luke Fox? You wouldn't.
1: I mean, he's literally a tech guy. That's that's the only reason he's there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just he's he's and, and I I'm not trying to be overcritical, but we do portray him as iron bat. I don't know. And honestly, just, the
1: way Steph was portrayed just in this one issue, it almost makes it feel like she could have filled in for Tim with some of the some of the tech stuff just because of some of the stuff that she did here. So
2: I don't like the idea what we've seen so far with the and I love Detective. I think he's doing a great job overall. But the the, the one thing I don't like about it is the idea that. We're not building a team. It's like every big story ends with, now the team is ripped apart again.
1: Well, well, well the ripped, you know. ripped apart is a little extreme. I think it's more of a, <laughs> the team loses a member and adds a member at the end
2: of every story arc, which is we've- what's happened. 40% of the original team since we started.
1: But we've gained 40% of a new team.
2: But they're not as good.
1: That's true. I, there's no argument there. Now, I, <laughs> I do want to get to this last point real quick. Um, uh, <laughs>
0: Before because, it goes too off Yeah, because
1: honestly, we've been talking... We talk about this book way more than any other book. And I mean, I, I enjoyed this book. That's why I cover it. so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But...
0: How selfish.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um But basically, <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about is these last couple pages with Tim Drake. You know, he has Ooh. figured out a way to escape from the thing. We see the blue light. Um He's staring at the blue light. We're assuming that's what he's staring at. Or he's staring yeah. at something that we ourselves can't <laughs> see. So, again, I don't want to have a discussion about who is Mr. Oz because we've talked about that, and obviously that's still leading to something. But the fact that we are occasionally getting glimpses as to what is actually occurring with Tim, do you think it's good or bad, and why?
2: I like it a lot. Um, There is nothing worse than a plot strand for me that is totally forgotten about. Agreed. I hate that. I I hate to go back to this and, hey, there's three jokers. We'll get back to that next year. Uh, what? it like, I can't stand that stuff. So, even if there is what essentially a long term tease with these little panels in the background. I would rather have this than just completely not doing anything with it to eight months before we get a conclusion. So, is this ideal or perfect? No, but yes, I'd much rather have this than
0: nothing. Yeah, it's good to see him and it's good to see he's fighting, which, you know, I think we all know that Tim is a fighter. And so to see him trying to get out of there is great. As for what's happening to Tim, because you asked, is this a bad thing, or did you mean it in the readership perspective? The readership this- perspective. Oh, yeah, oh, it's more okay.
1: about like, do okay. we enjoy okay. what's you know this this slow reveal as to what is occurring with him?
0: I think I think it's good. I mean, it's just two pages, I guess that we saw. So, um, you know, there you really can't argue. There's filler, uh, and it's kind true. of that's very it's, true. Um, said. It, it also, I think, gets you well. Suspenseful is not the. You're just wondering what's going on, basically. We're all wondering what's going on. So I think it has the right results. And, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I, I actually think that this is probably the best way to do it because, like Ed said, the idea that, you know, the lost threads, I hate that. I mean, honestly, and I can't stand when they hint at something or, you know want you to, to really be hyped about something. And then you just don't hear about it for months and months and months. Like that's the worst thing possible. I mean, I like the I like the, the Tim Drake stuff. Honestly, I don't know where else we would see this. And and in some ways this is because, because I specifically don't read everything DC. I stick to a lot of, you know, a lot of the bad books. Well, I read everything that we review on the website, but like outside of that stuff, The only time I ever actually even pick up anything else is when I know that there's a cameo from another, that universe character in one of the other books, like, like the stuff that I I talk about during the secondary DC universe books with the cameos and guest stars and stuff like that. That's the only other time I pick up a book. So I know that there's stuff happening with the rebirth, you know, the, this long game that they're playing with rebirth that clearly is going to be happening at some point. But Knowing that it's going to happen and knowing that we're going to do it, I like that, at least in the Bat books, if you're just reading Bat books, you are being able to at least have some sort of idea of what's going on, even if you don't know everything that's going on. So I like that. So, um, All right. So with that, I'm going to give Detective Comics a total of four and a half out of five.
2: I'll go just slightly lower, but it's a great book. Four out of five.
0: Four out of
1: five. Over on the website, Ian gave it four and a half out of five. So it's going to give Detective Comics a total of four out of five Batarangs. That is all of our books. Now, real quick, I forgot to mention this during comic news, but one of the things that I know we talked <laughs> about, I'm positive we talked about last episode when we were doing listener uh, feedback was we're talking about Jeff Johns at some point. And I can't remember exactly the reason behind it, but I just wanted to bring this up because on December 31st or January 1st or whatever it was, Jeff Johns tweeted out things that he's excited for for 2017. And outside of the fact that he was saying he's excited for Mira appearing in the Justice League movie and and Wonder Woman coming to film. And he said something about it. Uh, some new DC comic TV show that's going to be announced very soon. One of the things that he said that I thought was very interesting was he said he's returning to writing comics in 2017. And when I read that, I thought to myself, well, clearly he must be involved with whatever this big event is that is going to deal with, you know, more of the Watchmen, more of the stuff that he hinted at during Rebirth that has yet to happen. And I just wanted to, to, to get your thoughts on, like, Obviously, we don't know anything about it at this point. He's just said this, and, and people are talking about it because he said it. But, like, do you think that he's coming back to do an event, or do you think he's coming back to do a singular issue or something like that?
2: Event? would have to believe it's the something to do with Rebirth. I think you get two big events coming up this summer. I think one is the Watchmen slash Rebirth Fallout, and I think the other one is the Three Jokers event. I don't I, – I, I, I think that Snyder will get one of these assignments, and if if, John, if Jeff Johns is going to be back, I think we even talked about who else can you put on it. Although I think Azarella would have been a good good candidate. I think if you got these two events coming, I think one of them will be Johns and one of them will be Snyder. And I would think that probably get the three Jokers, but I could be easily dissuaded that I'd be wrong about that.
1: No, I oh man,
2: go ahead dissuade me.
1: No, I'm not going to dissuade you because I mean it's it's your own it's your own thoughts, but I mean my my thing is. I've said this before. I don't want Snyder in charge of any event that crosses the entire DC universe. Um, just because I don't want ramifications. Because It goes back to what I was saying earlier. And I've said numerous times before he writes as if it's his characters and he changes things to work for him. I don't like that when it comes to characters that have existing histories for years and years and years, I've complained about this multiple times with his interpretations of certain characters but specifically, when when you're looking at the DC universe as a whole, I don't think Snyder fits well with telling a story that goes back to the legacy of of the characters. He works well when it comes to telling a story that can be a great story, but doesn't necessarily adhere to the legacy of the characters. John's... Honestly, I don't even know who I would even put up there with Johns that could do a really good job. Grant Morrison would probably be up there, but I think Grant Morrison, to a degree, also reworks things to work for him. But Johns feels like he does rework things, but he almost reworks it to be more original than current, if that makes sense. So, um, but yeah. Yeah. The the only other thing is when you say, you know, Snyder is going to be on an event and it could be the three Joker thing. I'm really hoping one, it's not the three Joker thing, and two, Snyder is doing some sort of event because he's being reteamed with Greg Capullo this summer for something. We don't know what it is yet; it hasn't yet to be announced. But I really don't see the, the the two of them doing the Joker one, and I don't see them doing the Rebirth thing either. I feel like they work better as something a self-contained huh? event. For maybe the Bat Books or something like that, but then I, I think to myself, be, the Joker thing's just out there and it's just waiting to happen, and I feel like there, right, yeah. Oh yeah,
0: I think How Johns do do? is too big to come back for a single issue, so I think it has to be an event. He's like Brian Michael Bendis. <gasps>
1: I think, yeah, he definitely, I think he, he has to come back for an event. I, I don't think it's possible for him to just do a single issue unless they're talking about some sort of like year Earth 1 type situation where he comes back to do another Earth 1 volume or something like that. But I feel like those get announced so far in advance and then it takes forever for them to actually release that we would have already heard about it if that was the case. And he wouldn't actually be returning probably this year to write that because he was releasing this year. It would have been written way before and so
2: watchman thing it's got to be yeah yeah like he's the one who started this whole ball going in rebirth when one of our biggest conversations was if jeff is john's no longer writing comics who's gonna finish this yeah exactly literally what happened i think you got a bunch of guys sitting in an office and they go it's really simple well we're gonna have someone else do it but this is they probably tossed them some shackles and he's gonna come back and write it because i i I, I love Snyder, but I couldn't imagine. I think he'd make a mess of something like the Watchman. Yeah. It's almost got to be John. Like I said, the other guy that, I mean, Raul Ray's would be Azarello. I think he's shown an ability to...
1: I think if he's buying both. I think, honestly, he takes direction really what? well. Like, if he if Johns was like, this is what I'm going for, I think Azarello could do a great job and get the, the general get idea point of what... Point B. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think he could do a great job... If it's by himself, like this whole situation with Dark Knight 3, I think is almost hindering Azarello because he's kind of like locked in a box where with Frank Miller and he's like, whatever we can produce where it's an agreement is great. But this isn't exactly what I would have done myself because it doesn't come across as this is his, 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 you know, him.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I I, I, I I agree with that because... You if you look at the stuff that Miller does his own, which is the backups, they're nonsensical. And then look at you, you get I mean they are, they're just terrible. And then you get you get Azarello teams with Miller becomes a coherent that's not the best story ever told, but a coherent and fun narrative. And he's working with a nutter tied to his waist, you know? So I think it could but but other than that, I think it's gotta be John's on the watchman thing. And I and I want him to be there. My only problem with it is we have to wait a year to get the follow-up.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, but in some regards, it makes it it makes the, wor- the wait the weight worthwhile. I mean, I will say that yeah. because honestly, if I, I mean, I mean, it always was. You know, events took place once a year during the New Fifty Two. Events sucked because it was basically whatever happens in September, and they never really were that great because um, it really wasn't an event. It was just like here is a random reason it's for tough. us to charge more for our comics.
2: If we waited a year and it hadn't been John, then it had been oh, junk. Man. It'd be like, bad, be really bad. I did actually been on board. If the day it happened, I said, "Okay, we can either have, you can have it in October, or or you can wait a year and it'll be Johns." I, mean, I got nothing to do for next year. I wait.
1: I honestly would. I would prefer to wait a year because, like, I just look at like some yeah. of the best, more modern stories for DC Universe all have to do with Johns.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, like He's I right.
1: loved Flashpoint. I was never, I never even really cared about Flash until the Flashpoint storyline. I thought that was great, and I loved the majority of the tie-ins that were done by other writers, it was just basically John sat there and said, this is what I'm looking for for these tie-ins. And then they're like, here's the characters we'd like to focus on. And then they went and they found writers that could kind of fall in line with what the idea of was going on with Flashpoint. I think it worked out perfectly. I honestly feel like that was one of the best events of the last six years. I mean, it's one of the few events, but
2: yeah. I mean, I he's done some to get off our John's high horse. But like, if you read Blackest Night, even if you you know you're a Batman fan, you're looking oh, for yeah. something. If you haven't read Blackest Night, read it. If you don't like Blackest Night, you don't like comics. Yeah, John's is amazing, and yeah. I'm totally he's cool really with the way really
1: good about that. the events. And that's the thing. Like, I have I have no doubt that anything that he does, event wise, is going to turn out great. Um, it just comes down to whether or not. Um, DC is willing to wait because now he's got such a large role with the movies and TV stuff that, you know, I I want them to wait just so that he can do it. So, all right. Anyway, so let's get into Greater Gotham. First up, on December 21st, we have a number of books that came out. Batman number 13, we already talked about. Nightwing number 11, Defacer, operates in a group called the Runoffs, comprising the former Nightwing and Birds of Prey villains from pre-New 52. Nightwing investigates Gorilla Grimm's innocence and is put in a shipping situation with the alter ego of the defacer. This was reviewed by David. He gave it four out of 5 and we give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Harley Quinn, number 10. Harley heads to the mall to get a picture with Santa, only to believe that Santa is sick and she is the only one who can save him. This was reviewed by David. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Neutral. No secondary TV books. Uh, main DC Universe books, just league number eleven. As the league face a number of villains who are already who are all after a hefty bounty, Jessica Cruz returns to assist turning Amazo on the rest of the villains and ending the fight. This review by Paul. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm gonna give this one a neutral.
0: Neutral. Neutral.
1: Trinity number four is a Trinity encounter Wonder Woman's dream world. The team becomes closer as they realize the main villain behind their dream states is actually Mongol. This review by Bill. He gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up.
2: Thumbs up.
0: Thumbs up.
1: Justice League versus Suicide Squad number one. As the Suicide Squad are on one mission, the Justice League determined that they need to stop Amanda Waller's team. While all while the team of the villains is formed and led by a new team of villains is formed and led by Maxwell Lord. This review by Jerry. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a th- Thumbs up.
2: Uh, Thumbs up, like the way I give Transformers movies a thumbs up. You know what I mean? Yes, like, exactly.
1: Very action heavy. Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: Yeah, big, super fun. Yep. Neutral.
1: All right, secondary DC Universe books. Aquaman number 13, Batman appears alongside the Justice League as they try to figure out who is behind the conspiracy of Atlantis attacking the surface world. Green Arrow number 13. Black Canary continues to assist in the investigation of who is trying to frame Green Arrow for a number of murders around Seattle. Injustice Ground Zero number two. Digital chapters number three and four. Harley continues her fight alongside the Alternate Earths Justice League against the regime. She is about to save Batman when she realizes that the Alternate Earths Joker has also arrived. Suicide Squad, Most Wanted El Diablo and Amanda Waller number five. The previously mentioned character of Azucar is present in the El Diablo story, along with an appearance from Deadshot. In the Amanda Waller story, both Harley Quinn and Deadshot appear as part of the Suicide Squad team. And then finally, Teen Titans Go! number 19, digital chapters 37 through 38. Dick Grayson's Robin is featured as the Teen Titans deal with pranks, Trigon's failed attempt to throw a party, and the Herring King. All right, and then moving over to December 28th, uh, first up, uh, main TBU books, Detective Comics, we already talked about, as well as All-Star Batman. Batman Beyond number three, Terry infiltrates the Joker's gang, but is quickly discovered placing him and Dana in great danger. Their only hope is Matt McGinnis and the contents of his backpack. This was reviewed by Jim. He gave it four out of five, and gonna give this one a thumbs up. Neutral, Thumbs up. Batgirl number six, on her way back to Gotham, Batgirl must team with Poison Ivy aboard a plane where a prehistoric plant has awakened and is attacking the plane. This review by Ian. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral.
2: Thumbs down.
0: Oh, wow. I Can I talk about this a little bit? Sure. Sure. I yeah. really liked this issue, actually. I thought it was a breath of fresh air, which is funny because of the contents. A breath of fresh air from what she had previously been doing. It's kind of bad saying that since she's in an air like she's literally not in a place. She's in an airplane, you know. Um, I just thought it was a wacky little team up. It was nice that um, Ivy helped her out and even came to her senses at the end. I thought it was a fun little thing. couple issues I had were, um, number one, why couldn't she just be Babs investigating? Why did she all of a sudden have to put on her suit to investigate? I don't know. And the other thing was it's a little weird that she gets knocked out in one page, and then the very next page, she's asleep and wakes up. Pamela's next to her, and she's like, oh, I had a weird dream, as if they don't know each other. But it kind of seems like Pamela undressed her maybe and put her in the seat. So it's like, uh, do they know each other? Do they know each other's identities? But then it's like, no, they don't know each other the way it's written. So it's very weird. So that's my little problem with that. But uh, the Penguin thing will ignore that. But I just thought it was fun. I just thought it was better than what we've had. Yeah. I, I, For more yeah. on that, you can check out Back Row the Oracle this month.
1: That's a good plug, and and it makes sense. Um, <laughs> but I, I definitely I, I definitely agree. I, I think that the, the biggest thing is, like, I don't think it was an amazing issue just because it was kind of just like, what are the chances of Poison Ivy and backroll being on the same exact
0: line? And
1: then what's the point of the wink at the end if they don't know each other's alternate?
0: Yeah. Isn't that weird? But I don't know. I just thought it was fun compared to what has been going just, on. It's I, better I, than that.
1: Ian actually uh, mentioned in his review, what, you know, like the, the whole issue was kind of like, is it needed to be there or not? And then he said something about like, it's almost as if maybe it was actually a dream. And I thought to myself, Oh, If it was a dream, that would actually make so much more sense. That's interesting.
2: And if it's a dream, it makes a lot more sense because my thumbs down was the fact that the narrative wasn't. I mean, kind of fun, some fun moments, but the narrative isn't cohesive. It if it doesn't stand up to any type of. And I think my other problem is I've just become kind of negative towards the current
0: title. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: And I'm going into it going, here we go. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, which is sad because I really like the Birds of Prey one.
0: But
1: all right, next Mother Panic number two. More of Violet's history is shown, including a turbulent relationship with her father. In the mm-hmm. present time, Mother Panic tracks down the location of the children being held. This is reviewed by Jerry. He gave it three out of five. I'm going
2: to give this one a neutral. Neutral, trending towards thumbs up. Something interesting and good could be happening in this book.
0: Thumbs down.
1: All right, secondary TVU books: Dark Knight three, The Master Race. We already talked about Harley's Little Black Book number five. Harley has to fight Superman, and the two team up to take out an alien race as the entire story models the 1978 classic fight between Superman and Muhammad Ali. This is read by Jerry. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up.
2: Thumbs up. Neutral.
1: Uh, main DC Universe books Teen Titans number three is the Teen Titans flee from their battle with the Demon's Fist. Robin, Starfire, Kid Flash, Beast Boy, and Raven all share secrets from their dark past. Departing with Goliath, Damien gives himself to his grandfather, Ra's al Ghoul, in order to save his friends. This is by Ryan. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Titans, number six. The Abracadabra story arc comes to a close, and in the end, it looks like the Titans could be facing one of their most formidable adversaries next, Deathstroke. This is by Jim. He gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral.
2: Thumbs
0: up. Thumbs up.
1: Justice League vs. Suicide Squad Number Two as the team continue as the two teams continue to battle. Maxwell Lord shares his plan with his newly formed team back at the fight. Killer Frost takes the Justice League down, and they are then brought to Belle Reve to be declared the newest members of Task Force X by Amanda Waller. This is reviewed by Paul. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. And then secondary DC Universe books, Blue Beetle number four. Batman makes a brief cameo in a newspaper in the issue. Superpowers number two as Superman recovers from the attack from Lex Luthor. Composite Superman appears in Central City as Flash and Batman try to distract him until the unknown Superman appears and takes him back to the future. And then Scooby-Doo team-up number 21, which includes digital chapters 41 and 42. Harley Quinn is the featured team-up in the issue as she declares that she is turning over a new leaf and wants to become a ghost-busting detective. And then uh, finally, our TBU trade and hardcover release list over the past two weeks includes All-Star Batman number one, Director's Cut, Teen Titans year one, new edition trade paperback, Suicide Squad volume five, Apocalypse Now trade paperback, 52 book two trade paperback, Birds of Prey volume three trade paperback. JLA, Volume 9, Trade Paperback, and Secret 6, Volume 2, The Gauntlet, Trade Paperback. All right, so that is oh, uh, yeah. that is all of our books from the past two weeks. We're going to jump now into our Bat-Signal. we have a total of two comments the first one comes from ian miller
0: the or ian prime as it were congrats to dustin and his family i have to say that even though king's batman is my favorite interpretation of the character i think his idea of batman as a form of self-destruction is a valid way of dealing with the fact that batman is eternal haha did that on purpose
2: that's cute yeah
0: Whether you tell a serious, funny, tragic, triumphant, romantic, or whatever story, Batman will always be Batman. Some writers embrace that by telling fun Batman stories that explore the potential of the world. I'd put Chuck Dixon and Grant Morrison in that category. Some are interested in what the artificial limitations of a perpetual character published by committee might be. Exploring the mental contortions that might explain things, trying to draw connections to the real world, terrorism, etc., Snyder and King are definitely in the latter category. I think both are interesting, but I think I personally prefer the former. I think Tanya, as a student of Snyder, has some tendencies towards that, as we see in the victim syndicate, but is generally much more naturally the former type of writer. Both Eternals and the First Arc Detective were fun, bombastic Batman stories that asked some important questions, like what is the purpose of Robin, how does Batman's legacy continue? But we, but we're mostly concerned with, isn't Batman so cool? And he is, isn't he? Smiley face emoji. Well,
1: first off, Ian, thank you for the congrats uh, for those of you who listened to the last episode and heard that I was having a, another child. Uh, my second son, my third child, was born, whose name is Oliver Ian. Everybody's healthy. My <gasps> wife is healthy. Everything is good to go.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I did not name my child middle name Ian because we have two Ians. Are, are you
0: sure?
1: I'm positive.
2: Sounds <laughs> unlikely to me that that's the truth. But okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: He goes four distances to keep his listenership.
2: Yes. Yeah. especially those of those, those of you who are supporting and- us on Patreon. on <laughs> <laughs> On Patreon, oh. at the $100 level, you can name Dustin's my next child. child oh, brother. wow.
0: hundred? I think you need something more yeah, than we that. We that's might have like to go nothing. higher than that. Yeah, no doubt. So it depends how many we years have, we're like, talking about.
1: You can have your name in contention for, for the names we choose or something. But anyway, thank you for the congrats. Uh, everybody's yeah. healthy. My wife is healthy. The baby's healthy. Everything's good. So uh, that's that's that. We have another future podcast host in about Ooh. 15 years. So... Well, a business. Yeah, exactly. So, have you
0: told Ed yet?
1: I told Ed um, that
0: you're kicking him off.
1: I'm not kicking off anybody. I'm just going to have them focus on something else. That's 15 years from now, Stella. You're 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 getting me off track here.
2: <laughs> you're distracting years now, we'll finally have the Batman Universe podcast running again. With-
0: yes, maybe. Ooh. Oh
1: man, let's let's let
2: with the kids.
1: Yeah, the kids will run that one. All right, our next comment comes from Guy.
0: I have to agree I am not a fan of Bruce Wayne making suicide attempts or needing to be in a psych ward as a child with his playmate, Harvey Dent. In a way, it makes Batman no different than the villains he fights. It also shows an extreme vulnerability and weakness that he would contemplate suicide after his parents' death. That's a very dark place to go, and it comes off as very selfish. He has no one else in his life that he can live for, not Alfred, not an aunt or uncle, cousin. It makes the character seem selfish, narcissistic, and I'm not a fan of it. In terms of Batman being suicide personified, I've always thought that Bruce Wayne would probably die as Batman. He would never have a happy ending like in The Dark Knight Rises. And maybe Bruce does believe that every night he goes out, this could be his last night walking out the Batcave. I think soldiers and policemen have similar thinking. But I don't think that they think of their mission as a suicide pact. They focus on completing the mission. Otherwise, what's the point? What keeps Batman going is the mission. Death is just the cost of that mission, and it's a very real threat. I can't imagine him thinking that he's committing suicide by being Batman. It's a very existential way of thinking about what your purpose is.
1: Well, Guy, I think you got some great points there. I mean, I think that you're kind of in line with what we were saying. Um, The biggest thing is I, I have to bring up that soldier and policeman thing. Where you, know, you do go out on a mission with the understanding that it may be your last, um, but you don't go out thinking that you're committing suicide or that this is. Because there, there's a big difference, I think, and I'm not saying that, Guy, you're wrong by stating this. I'm just saying in general, I think the perception is that there are people who are adrenaline junkies who might do something like this, who might become police officers or soldiers or you know something like this, who just dis- distinctly go out and do these things because they have a death wish, and then there's but and, and, and I'm not arguing there are definitely people who do that, um, but I think that the vast majority of people who go into law enforcement or become part of the military or in some way, I feel like they're they have a they feel like they have a purpose that to serve. That's what it is. It's not so much about you know, having a death wish. I don't know. I, I, for those of you who don't know, I was in the army for four years and I don't know anybody who I was with, who thought to themselves that, um, that they, that they distinctly were doing this because they wanted to die or that they had a death wish, or even they were adrenaline junkies because I just didn't serve with anybody like that. But what it was, was we had a mission. We all felt the need to serve, whether it be, you were serving because you were trying to support your family, whether you were serving because you felt you just had a patriotic duty to serve, whatever it may be, you felt the need to serve. And that was the vast majority of the people that I served with. And that being said, I don't think that you go into it with this knowledge that you're going to commit suicide or that this is a suicide pact because you've decided to do this. You do it because you've decided that it's, you need to serve or whatever it is and you know you you have you have to have an understanding the death but it's a possibility it's it's something that could happen and you have to accept that because otherwise you're just going to be living in fear and then you could screw up but the reality of it is that the way the story was written it just comes across as he's becoming batman because he has a death wish and i don't that's why i didn't necessarily agree with the way it is because for me batman you know is batman because of the same thing that law enforcement and military, it's because he feels that he has a purpose to protect the people of Gotham city. However, that may be, that's, that's what he does. So that's where my disconnect with the the last issue of that, of the, of Batman was.
2: Yeah. I I just co-signed with you. I mean, there's many military members in my family and I, yeah, I don't think it's suicide by occupation. Yeah. And I, I never liked the suicide thing with Batman. I just, yeah.
1: So with that, that is all of our listener comments that we have this episode. I'll remind everybody to head over to the website, leave your comments in the podcast post, and uh, we will discuss those comments on the next episode. Um, Also, as I mentioned earlier, of course, go over to the website, support us on Patreon. That's always greatly appreciated. If you don't have any desire to do Patreon, but you'd like to just leave a one-time donation to us, you can still click the button on the website to leave a one-time donation through PayPal. Um, you can use a credit card or a bank account through PayPal securely to leave us a donation in that form. Um, also, I encourage you to check out all the news related to movies, TV, merchandise, and video games. Um, check out all the other podcasts that we have to offer. As you're listening to this in just a couple of days, you'll be able to hear uh, the latest episode of Bat Books for Beginners, which has a brand new podcast. Uh, set a a new host, a a new team of hosts uh, with uh, Jerry who reviews comics and Chris, who you might've heard from back to Oracle. Um, They are taking over from John and Dylan, who did a great job uh, running Bat books for beginners for just about two years. Um, But we have a new team and they're going to be actually producing episodes twice per month so that we can try to get eventually caught up in the near future with, you know, up to current time within the bat books. Um, So starting as you're listening, to this starting on Tuesday, you'll be getting two episodes of Bat Books for Bat Books for Beginners per month. In addition to that, be sure to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer. There's lots of new episodes posting all the time. Uh, Stella just actually celebrated her uh, seventh seventh anniversary with to yep. Oracle, and she has an anniversary episode up there. Two episodes that two yeah yeah for for celebrating the anniversary. So check those out. Uh, there's new episodes of bat fans and uh, Bruce Wayne's world and all that. So be sure to check out all the podcasts we have to offer and be sure to leave those guys comments as well. Letting them know that you're listening to those episodes. Uh, In addition to that, leave us reviews and iTunes, leave your comments on the podcast post for the next episode. And that is everything for this episode. So this is Dustin.
2: This is
0: Ed. And this is Alice.
1: And you have been listening to the Batman universe comic podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.